Hey, my name is Josh Korak. I'm a mental health counselor in the Northern Colorado area. In this space, I get the chance to interview professionals in the field, talk about mental illness, self-care, and so much more. With this show, I ask you to join me in doing what one of my favorite philosophers, a Buddhist monk, Thich Nhat Hanh, says. Smile, breathe, and go slowly. This is Care with Korak. everyone. Sorry, it's been a minute. I had an episode I was going to release last week, but I've been having a ton of difficulty with it for whatever reason. It was a it was another Zoom call like I normally do with most of these guys and I don't know what happened. It's uh it's being difficult for me to access. So I'm working on it. I'm working with Zoom's terrible uh customer service team. <laughs> and I am trying to get it fixed. So I'm hoping that one day you guys will be able to hear that interview. It was super good, and I'm really nervous to have to tell the guy that. I uh, might have to redo it at some point. But anyways, I'll keep working at it, though, and I'll keep everyone updated. But I am really excited for the next handful of guests that we have, though. Um, this will be my last run of the season, Finishing out with maybe four, if I'm lucky, five more guests. But these aren't just any guests. These next few individuals all had some of, if not the most, powerful influences over my development. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, all the Elise. These were my mentors, my role models, and and uh, I was very privileged to have them uh, during those really transformational um, and developmentally important years of my life and to still be able to get to do life with them. I'm very honored to not only speak with them in this space, but to also share them with all of you. So that being said, first up, we have Derek. Derek Brandstrom originally hails from the Chicago area. After college, he moved to Denver and began his teaching career in Jefferson County Public Schools teaching math and physical education for 19 years. During the summer, Derek instructed for Outward Bound for eight seasons and then with SRAM with an emphasis in backpacking, climbing, and mountaineering. Derek received his master's degree in sports administration from the University of Northern Colorado. He has been teaching wilderness first aid for Knowles Wilderness Medicine since 2008 and he has been the director of the Outdoor Leadership Program since 2015. Derek lobbied at a major in outdoor leadership at CCU, which came to fruition in the fall of 2017. And uh, I might have to fact check myself here, but at the time, at least, it was the only major in Colorado um, in outdoor leadership or something similar. Uh, So I don't know if that's changed or not, but it's a pretty big milestone for Colorado. He has taken students all across the world from trekking Kilimanjaro to backpacking in the Grand Canyon to rock climbing the granite cliffs of Vidavu. He is also a wilderness first responder through Knowles, a Leave No Trace Master Educator, Avalanche Level 2 trained with ARI, and an American Mountain Guides Association, AMGA, single pitch instructor and has completed their rock guide course. So Derek was a huge figure in my college life. He pushed me into new passions with the wilderness, 
Uh, he took something that was already working for me and he built upon it. He has seen me in some of my highest highs and in my lowest lows. Um, and he's also facilitated experiences that I'll never forget. I wanted to share a quick story about Derek that we didn't talk about during this episode, but it was one thing I'll never forget as I was preparing for this. I, I It came to mind. Um, we were doing an overnight trip training for an even bigger trip that we're going to, we actually do talk about in this episode. And on this trip, this smaller trip, we were snow climbing. It was either a 13 or a 14 or I can't remember, uh, which was pretty normal for our training. And so snow climbing, for those of you who don't know, is just as gnarly as it sounds, right? It's hiking a mountain, but in the snow, right? Because <laughs> it's got to be that much more difficult. Um, and usually it's requiring technical gear for safety, Right. And so I remember we had our backpacks with probably 40, 50 pounds of gear in it. And I was really struggling that day for whatever reason, but I, I just wasn't letting anybody help me. And I remember falling behind in the group. And that's not a good thing for more than just the easily apparent reasons. When you're in the wilderness, especially in the snow season, completing your tasks in a timely manner is really important, mostly for the safety of yourself and others. And so I remember on that trip, Derek got mad at me. Uh, he came down the mountain after me and very firmly told me to get my shit together, right? And let others take some of the weight that I was carrying to help me. And he reminded me that this wasn't just about me. And that I had to learn not to depend on others, but to be supported by others and how to lean on community when things get tough. That was an experience I never forget. And I hope there's something you can take away from that. In this episode, Derek and I talk about the importance of solitude, experiential learning, and how I almost died on a trip with Derek. You're going to have to listen in to find out more. For more mental health content, follow me on social media at Josh Korak. If you've been liking the show, please go give the show a review, a rating on Apple Podcasts, and make sure to share it with your friends. This is how I know that the show is making a difference and whether I should keep doing this or if I should pursue other ways to give back to the community. So please let me know what you think and what I could do differently. Well, let's not waste any more time and let's get into it. This is Care with Korak with Derek Brandstrom. Hey, Derek. How's it going, man? Good. How are you doing, Josh? <laughs> good. Um, man, it's good to see you. I know I just said this, but it's funny, like, pretending like we haven't been talking for the past 20 minutes, but it's, it's just really good to see you. I mean, we haven't, for my audience, we haven't seen each other in, like, two years now, probably. give or take, yeah, you know? Probably. So we've been texting and emailing and stuff all the time, but, um, so it's good to, good to catch up. For sure. Yeah. Well, I'm um, glad to have you on the show. Um, why don't we just start off with, you know, just you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your background and kind of what got you to where you're at now. Sure. Yeah, my name is Derek, uh, Derek Branstrom. I am the Outdoor Leadership Professor at Colorado Christian University. Um, this is my sixth year, finishing in my sixth year at, at that role. Uh, prior to that, um, I was teaching in Jefferson County Public Schools, math and physical education. Um, I 
uh, instructed outward bound for gosh eight seasons I think it was oh wow yeah and uh, another outdoor ministry SRAM Solid Rock Outdoor Ministry up in Wyoming uh, for I don't know four or five seasons and then I also teach wilderness medicine for Knowles uh, I teach um, avalanche education for Erie um, yeah so a lot of outdoor kind of related education um, background for sure Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm married, have a daughter, Annika, and she's a sophomore here at CCU studying pre-med. Um, she's got her smart genes from the mailman, <laughs> I guess, or something. Um, but she's, she's great. And, um, my wife is very much into, uh, kind of experiential learning as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, looking at how to incorporate more of spiritual formation in connection with, um, kind of the outdoors. And so, uh, that's something that's always been on our heart is to potentially, partner a little bit more than than what we've been able to in the past so mm-hmm. um, that could be something in the future that we're looking at doing and just offering like health and restoration and healing mm-hmm. and just overall um, well-being through using the outdoors and yeah. um, it's just a big part of what we know works and has worked mm-hmm. in our lives for sure so yeah, yeah that's kind of my kind of my background yeah. Is your wife still working at CCU? I remember when I was here, she was. She is, but okay. she is uh, leaving as of oh, wow. January 5th or 6th. Yeah. But she's leaving because for just that reason. Yeah. Kind of pursuing. The experiential. Yeah. She did a program called the Soul Care Institute for the last two years. Mm. And <clears throat> lots of healing for her. And um, it was it was very transformational. Yeah. And a lot of growth. And uh, just really feeling called to provide that for others um, mm-hmm. in some way. Not sure how, but mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a big um, desire of hers right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's great. Um, so what kind of got you into, you know, this, this outdoor field, outdoor leadership field? What, what was the drive? What was the passion? Right? Yeah, that's a great question. I... So I, again, I was an education major, started teaching mm-hmm. math and, uh, it was, I'd ask that I'd ask, you know, veteran teachers, how do you, how do you do this for 30 years? You know, yeah. I was just like, I can't imagine. This <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to picture you as a math <laughs> teacher now. <laughs> yeah. And something that they kept saying was change, change content, change schools, just mm-hmm. something to, um, kind of, you know, keep it fresh. And, um, I started you know, I was, I was, we did a lot of things when the kid is, I was, you know, we did a lot of camping. I was a big skier. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I went to the university of Wyoming for skiing, not for school. <laughs> and, um, yeah, after, after college, after university of Wyoming, um, when I was teaching, I just really, uh, was starting doing more outdoors mm-hmm. personally, uh, got into mountaineering a lot, uh, mm-hmm. climbing, and I, I knew there was a way to incorporate what I did for uh, for work mm-hmm. and also what I enjoyed when mm-hmm. in terms of being out and being outdoors. But I didn't know how, so I just kept looking at ways I could kind of build that experience. So that's why I ended sure. up instructing for Outward Bound. I uh, started teaching wilderness medicine and just trying to build that that background mm-hmm. experience and waiting, kind of waiting on you know, God to lead me towards, uh, a, a way that I might incorporate that more kind of into what I do all the time professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of, kind of in a nutshell, yeah. how I got into it. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me, I, I recognized that I didn't want to, um, 
I mean, I've, I've, I enjoyed what I did. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed teaching. Um, but I just knew that I felt like there was more I could do to impact yeah. and make a bigger difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew the power of being in the wilderness and the impact it can have. So yeah, I just kept praying and waiting and, um, yeah, and you know, going to instruct for um, SRAM up in Wyoming was huge mm-hmm. and all that because Outward Bound is is a secular organization and they're awesome and they and they do great things and but uh, being able to incorporate it from a um, faith perspective was really mm-hmm. important to me and so going to SRAM was was huge doing their instructor training course I just mm-hmm. had a huge transformational experience there yeah. personally and then it just showed me it reinforced what I knew that this this is um, is a powerful way to to help others um, mm-hmm. in their in their faith journey. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of it. Can you kind of explain, like, for my for my audience, what Outward Bound and SRAM is? Um, kind of explain what they do. Yeah. So Outward Bound and actually <coughs> Knowles National Outdoor Leadership School mm-hmm. been around for a long time, um, and they they take students, and I say students because they could be anywhere from you know like twelve years old to eighty years old. They have mm-hmm. adult courses. Everybody's learning. <laughs> Everybody's, yeah, nonstop. Um, into the wilderness, and that could be hiking, backpacking, rock climbing, mm. mountaineering. Um, they do water stuff, you know, like sea kayaking and sure. other type of water things too. And their their courses are anywhere from, you know, it could be literally a day thing to they have whole semester courses, you know, 81 days. Um, and, and really, they've been around, again, for quite a while. Outward Bound came to the U.S. in 60-something, 66, 67, I can't remember, but um and they yeah they they just take people out in the wilderness and um try to help them uh partially not only it's not just doing the activities but kind of similar to what i think i'm trying to do now with my program is is help people um live you know live more productively and and Mm -hmm. enjoy um enjoy life better than perhaps what they are more used to and outward bound is does a lot of that SRAM mm-hmm. solid rock outdoor ministry SRAM uh is the same thing but again it's faith-based mm-hmm. um taking people in the wilderness and um encouraging a more authentic con- um connection with God and uh yeah. and community for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah both great um we had a I don't know if I told you this already but we had a guest um on the show already Cody Bradford, I don't oh, know yeah. if I, I told you about him, but, um, and he, I think also led for Outward Bound for a couple seasons or something like that. And okay. so seems like it's just a, a good outdoor community and, and, and SROM as well. And just kind of those different organizations really help to, to really foster that community. It seems yeah. like. Yeah. 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 I, I, that's great. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of us out there. Mm-hmm. Lot. Yeah. It seems <laughs> the like Outward it. Bound community has been around. Yeah, quite definitely. So. Well, I mean, you kind of mentioned like this this idea of this transformative power of the wilderness, right? I mean, I think by and large, most people can say, yeah, like I love being outdoors. I love going on hikes and especially in Colorado, right? right. But like what – can you speak into that a little bit? Like what does that actually look like, this idea of the outdoor space and the wilderness really fostering that kind of space for us? Yeah, that's a great question. I think – a lot of students that I have in my courses who aren't in our program specifically, they're, uh, you know, we have a a minor major in outdoor leadership, but, um, students who, um, just take a a course for fun because they're like, ah, rock climbing. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. I want to take a rock climbing class. And, and, you know, something I'll ask them is, you know, 
why, why are you in here? Well, I love being outside and mm-hmm. you know, I just feel God's presence more. And, and so I try to delve into more like, what does that mean to them? And mm. I think the, the thing that I've, I've really um, honed in on is that we are so distracted. We are mm. s- like technology, the pace of life that it's so hard to just pause and just yeah. listen and be still and just take away the distraction and the mm-hmm. noise and the chaos and the wilderness kind of forces that, mm, right? I mean, yeah. and a lot of times, you know, people, you bring your phone with you and, and you can't even use it because it doesn't have the same connectivity that it is. So mm-hmm. it kind of will force that. Um, but I think that that's one big piece is just, mm-hmm. just slowing down, yeah. decon- you know, disconnecting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's huge. And I think a lot of times people uh, in the wilderness especially people of faith, um, you know, when you believe that, you know, this was created by God and mm-hmm. you are out there and you can see the, the grandeur of it, the size of it, the sure. of it, it makes you often feel more connected to God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of a, you know, a bit uh, personal, like each person mm-hmm. kind of experiences that different ways. Um, mm-hmm. and this idea of connecting with something bigger than yourself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think too the other the other thing is um, you know when you when you go out in groups um, into the wilderness it's it's one thing to go out by yourself and I encourage people do do go out in the wilderness and um, you know enjoy being out by yourself but there's also an aspect of when you're out in a group mm, that is yeah. is different than it is when you are in a in a group setting again mm-hmm. you know in everyday life because. You know, how many times you go to the restaurant, you see a bunch of kids sitting around, they're all looking at their phones. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's like... Le- that happened to me an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. At Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and when you when you can be out there and be in mm. a group and be connected without those distractions, yeah. it just allows for just more authentic connection mm-hmm. and allows for people to be more vulnerable and mm-hmm. transparent because the, the, the safety is there that isn't perhaps there in a yeah. normal lo- uh, kind of day-to-day level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems yeah. like it also, like on the one hand, it does foster like that that deeper connection. And it also seems to just, you have a little bit more fun in it, like different ways that you normally wouldn't, right? Right. Like I always think of like some of the games we would play when we'd be like on trail and um, we'd be doing like uh, like the... Um, the red carabiner, right? <laughs> where we'd always like we would we would play this game where, um, you know, we'd be with a group of like what ten people or something like that, give yeah. or take, and we'd have this little red carabiner that we would pass around, like clipping it to somebody's backpack with, and and trying to not have them notice. And it was just such a silly, like stupid, <laughs> like fun game though that like it was just it's just so much more easy to be entertained and to have fun with each other. And like just laugh at the little things, you yeah, know, yeah. which I really appreciated. So yeah, definitely, it seems to to foster some of that, both of those things, which I really like. I'm glad that you brought up this idea of. It seems like this concept that you're speaking to is this idea of solitude, right? Which I know is definitely. something you bring up a lot in your teaching and um, in your classes. And uh, it's funny, like I was just talking to a client about this the other day, like who, you know, a client who's been struggling a lot of anxiety and depression and kind of those racing intrusive thoughts and things like that. And they're just like, I don't know how to stop this. Like I'm waking up in the middle of the night and I can't fall back asleep because I just can't stop thinking. And I'm like, well, you know, how much time do you actually give to those thoughts? Mm. Right. 
Um, and he just kind of sits there and thinks about it. And I'm like, okay, right? Because when we look at it, right? I mean, I know I'm super guilty of this. And I don't know about you. You're probably a little bit, you know, farther along in, in your solitude practices, right? But, <laughs> but it's so easy for like, I, I know for me in, in particular to to fill time with music podcast right like when i'm on the road i'm always listening to something right when i'm at work i'm always listening to something i never just like sit in silence you know and that's really hard for it seems like for a lot of people and um i had somebody on the show trey who talked about this metaphor of like you know our thoughts are like a dog right where if we don't give attention to it right it's gonna go make a mess somewhere else Mm -hmm. right and usually that mess shows up in higher forms of depression anxiety and um, you know, sleep difficulties and all that stuff. And so we have to give space to it, which is something it sounds like you're, you're kind of alluding to with the outdoors. Definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, <clears throat> assuming you can, cause even in the outdoors, you can, you can, you can distract yourself, right? You yeah. can have your earbuds in and, and mm-hmm. have music going. And, and so sometimes you have to force yourself. Yeah. You have to be like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn off all, everything, turn off the music, turn off you know, whatever. And just, mm-hmm. just try to just be out and be, be present with what's in front of me. Yeah. But yeah, solitude I think is huge. And mm-hmm. we do a lot in, in, uh, in our program around the idea of like solitude and solos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, like one course they'll have to do an hour, an hour solo, right. And just one, one hour, that's it. And then they do a three hour one. And then we do a longer, usually about a full day. Mm. That's part of when we're out in the field. You know, like it's eight, eight-ish hours. Or Which so class is this again? That's the backcountry skills class. Is it really? I don't yeah. even remember doing the full day one. It, depending on when you did it, we made okay. it happen. Okay, yeah. okay. But I try to try to make it so it's like more of a full day now. Because yeah. it's just, and it, but what's interesting is that hour, they, they'll, mm. they'll answer some questions about that experience. Mm-hmm. And every single time, they're like, I had such a hard time just, like turning my brain off, yeah. right? Like even even if they didn't have their phone or they didn't have those things with them, they're like, I just, I couldn't get still, you mm-hmm. know? And then they do the three-hour one and they're like, I had a struggle for the first hour, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to like turn the brain off. And then the next hour, I kind of, okay. Yeah, I was just able yeah. to be present. And then usually by the third hour, they're like, I'm starting to get anxious again because <laughs> I know I got to go back. And, right. right. And then when we do our full day one, <clears throat> We've, we're on the wilderness, so mm-hmm. we've, you know, usually you're on that, by the time we do that, it's, I don't know, five, six days in the wilderness, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. So there's there's more of a, a disconnectedness already happening, so you, you they've had more opportunities. Yeah. And we usually do like little mini, mini called tag time, right. time alone with God, where they, they have these times to, to be still, so you're not like dropping them into this full mm-hmm. day thing right, aw- right off the bat. But they've had time to turn the brain off and mm-hmm. so they can easily get more easily get into that that time of solitude but the point being that it's so hard yeah. it's so hard for us to turn turn off mm-hmm. you know and just and just to be present with our thoughts and be and be able to listen and hear and just not yeah just turn off all yeah. the noise and you know i don't want people to get this sense that well you ha- this has to be done in the wilderness right it doesn't you mm-hmm. can do it in a in an urban setting but there's an advantage to it in the wilderness. It, it kind of forces you that, you know, you ha- almost, you have to. But, um, you know, learning how to turn things off and just be present with thoughts and stuff, that's, yeah. 
that's huge. It's a huge it practice is. and it's, yeah. it's ongoing, right? It's not like you figure it out one day and you're just <laughs> golden for the rest of your life, right? Nope. nope. I mean, yeah, I really valued those times, um, you know, when we were out in the, in the wilderness and uh, I'm just getting time to be quiet and it's just so easy when you come back to it, right? To just get caught up in the distractions again. And and that's another great point is every, every time, and I, this is not just here at CCU mm-hmm. and I've run here at Outward Bound, it was like this, at SRAM, it was like yeah. this. You know, we're doing some cool stuff. Like we're backpacking in the Grand Canyon and we're <laughs> climbing big mountains and, you know, climbing awesome climbs. It just, it's really like. You do some really cool stuff for the students here. <laughs> I mean, though, you know, I had had some personal things with CCU, but like the one, like some of the things I'll never forget was those experiences like we man you took me backpacking in the grand canyon we went to freaking south america <laughs> and hiked tried to hike <laughs> the tallest mountain there or you did at least you, you summited you boss um and Bunch of students did too that's true a couple others did um and man like so many cool trips going ice climbing in estes and um rock climbing in vitavu and ugh, like you just i i just want to say that that does not go unnoticed and that leaves an impact for but, sure. And, and the point being that, you know, we do these great things, these mm-hmm. cool, exciting adventures. And, and in the midst of those, when you do solitude or, yeah. or solos every single time, I mean, again, I saw it at Outward Bound. I saw it at SRAM. I mm-hmm. see it still at CCU. The thing that people tend to go back to and say was the most beneficial, impactful mm-hmm. and, useful was was the solo solitude time yeah i mean every single time this even though they had these you know cool cool experiences right well and that brings up a great point like it's you know i don't remember all the routes that we would do right or all those different things what i do remember is the solitude i remember the community the times around you know i would say the fire we didn't have fires right we (laughs) would have our little camping stoves or hot now jeans in our jackets (laughs) (laughs) to keep us warm but just the times where we just kind of circle up and just talk and and share life and yeah and yeah absolutely. that's what i remember yeah you know yeah definitely. yeah so. yeah um and you know i feel like this is maybe a little well better late than ever i guess but can you kind of help define what the wilderness is yeah that's um <laughs> so in in scripture you'll hear you'll see the word wilderness often mm-hmm. and most often from from a biblical perspective it's the desert However, um, like a more kind of global context when we talk about the wilderness, um, it's just an environment where it puts you in a place to um, be outside of your normal kind of day to day. Right. So for some people, their wilderness might be the park, in, you know, uh, sure. c- c- um, Central Park in, in New York. Park in Greeley. <laughs> park in, yeah. um, it might be, you know, it might be uh, a, a local like um path that they can you mm-hmm. know walk not necessarily a hike but uh or it can be you know it could be middle of patagonia i mean mm, or yeah. more, you know antarctica i mean so it's it's really more of a definition for a, a place where you can be away you mm-hmm. know um and yeah i, I particularly like mountain environments mm-hmm. um desert's okay but yeah, yeah. But, we're mountain boys but right but <laughs> Some people, like, water is a big thing for them, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's the ocean or lakes or rivers or things like that. So so that is kind of what I mean by wilderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, 
Because, yeah, I feel like some people, you know, I think I think back to the fact that, like, before coming to CCU, I was really fortunate where I had some experiences. Not necessarily – I had a couple where we went out into the wilderness and, and did a few different activities. But um, I was really fortunate where we had the climbing club um, that my old coach, Ben Anderson, started. And he – you know, we are in middle suburbs, Broomfield, right, and – uh, we're fortunate enough to get some experience into this outdoor lifestyle, um, even though it's kind of urbanized. But, um, and I, I recognize that so many people don't ever get those kind of experiences in some of the the gap um, that kind of maybe goes back to privilege and, um, you know, how, how the outdoors is an expensive right. pursuit sometimes. And mm-hmm. um, what has been kind of your experience with that? Well, I just, I'll add something to that that one of the benefits that's come out of of covid Mm. has been the increase in people getting outside yeah we saw this in our neighborhood where Mm -hmm. we would we were we have a dog and we'd go out walking our dog and we're like where are all these people coming from (laughs) like we never saw this many people right yeah and that was that was one of the blessings from Mm. it right people getting outside and and it's it's you know it's not just anecdotal like statistics have shown and studies have shown that people Mm -hmm. are getting outside more which is great Super um, but I think, I think that, yeah, the big thing is, is that, yeah, there's, there is a gap, whether that be from, you know, um, you know, financial reasons, uh, just whatever, culture, culture socioeconomic, yeah, whatever, status, whatever, yeah, yeah. all that. But the great thing is, again, partially, partially due to COVID, but I think more so just because of just the awareness mm. of the gap. Yeah. There are a lot of organizations out there and a lot of people that are putting energy into like helping more act, get people get more access mm-hmm. to the outdoors, which is, is great again, because I do think it is, it's so good for our mental health yeah. you know, to, to just, I mean, even if it's just a walk around the neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, and just to, again, get, get this away from the distractions and just to be outside. Yeah. So. Well, I feel like it's just a, such a holistic experience, right? It's, it's affecting us physically, right? Exercise. I mean, we could just spew all sorts of different facts and studies or whatever about exercise and, you know, just, just the amount of endorphins it releases right. and, um, how, how calming that can be for our anxiety or, um, different things like that. So it, it affects us physically. It affects us mentally, spiritually, right? Socially. It just it affects us in every aspect of life. And yeah. I think that's just such a cool thing that not every part of life does for us. Right. I think yeah. outdoors creates a, a unique space for that. Yeah. And it, and how how great it is that that awareness is becoming more prevalent out there that that more people are being made aware yeah um partially because of just the just the increase we're i think we've seen and you probably know this more better than i do and as far as mental health issues sure know, and how yeah. much that that can be a benefit but also again recent circumstances covid and just things like that helping people get outside um yeah it's 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 good to see, yeah. but there's still a long way to go. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and, um, you know, I'm glad that there's people like you out there who are aware of it and doing your part to, to make some change with that. And, you know, it, it is hard coming from this world a little bit and then now doing counseling, there's only so much I can do with that. But, um, but I think what's, you know, kind of transitioning a bit, it, what's cool about what I learned in your program um, was the outdoor leadership program wasn't just about the outdoors experiences, right? It was also about how we lead in the mm-hmm. outdoors and how that can also transfer into 
non-outdoor settings, right? <laughs> like into the, mm-hmm. into the, just the day-to-day life and thinking of like experiential learning, for example, that's something I've been using a ton in practice. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's one thing to just talk to your client or have your client talk to you, but actually have them engage and do things. That's been a, that's been a huge thing in, in different theories. And, um, I think there is even an ex- experiential psychotherapy theory out there. So, um, can you, can you kind of explain how you use, um, exis- or not existential <laughs> experiential learning in, in your program? Yeah, I think, well, let me give you a, a kind of a concrete example that's perhaps not necessarily uh, kind of mental health related, but sure. I think it's, it's why I think experiential like learning is so powerful and mm-hmm. so um, practical. So I can sit there and, and talk about and even demonstrate and explain, I can show pictures and videos of, of how to belay somebody, mm-hmm. right? I could do all that. But <clears throat> when you actually have to go do it, right? The experientially actually, actually go belay somebody. Yeah. Um, that impact is much more than just seeing it, hearing it, feeling it. Even if I had them do it kind of, uh, you know, we used to do this a long time ago when we used to teach belay and we'd do it on the ground. Like we, mm-hmm. just, we call it ground school and they wouldn't actually be holding anybody's life. They just be doing right. it on the ground. Practicing and you could the learn ropes. the skill. You could learn like the techniques, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the pull break under slide like the, the typical p-bus yeah p-bus <laughs> not pee on a bus uh, yeah don't uh, pee on a bus <laughs> but um but until you're actually like no i'm holding somebody's life mm. and the practical practical application of of you yeah. know that experience has so much more meaning and and, and uh impact than mm-hmm. you know like you could answer the questions like what is you know like what do I, I never let go with my break hand. Like mm-hmm. you can answer that on a quiz and be like, okay, I get that right answer. But until you actually do it, it just doesn't, doesn't have the same impact. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I remember that. Like I remember, and I, sometimes appreciate is that you did both, right? You did both the experiential learning and just the knowledge part of it. Right. Right. Um, and you made sure that we both knew our stuff and we could show it right, right. and show how to do it. So, so I think, I think, you know, kind of bringing that to the point of, um, you know, applying this to kind of like health and, and mental health is mm-hmm. that, um, you know, we can talk about some of these things and talk about, oh, the wilderness is great and, you know, it's, t- it's, right. it's, it's impactful and it's meaningful and solitude, but now you go do it and they experience it like, wow, that, that was great. Like mm-hmm. I, now I get why it works and what, what the impact mm. is. Hopefully, and, and I was going to go back to earlier, I was mentioning why, um, you know, or I mentioned how students say that solos are such a big, you mm-hmm. know, like they, they're like, wow, it's so funny because after they, they'll do some solos and um, I can't remember which, there's one in particular we do in one of the courses, I'm trying to remember which one is, but they always say, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this all the time now, right? I'm mm-hmm. going to go moving forward. I'm going to go do this regularly. And I, and I, I'm like, okay, but the reality is <laughs> like, and my experience from, from doing this for so long is, you know, it's probably not because it's just mm-hmm. like any other like habit or skill. Yeah. You got to do it often, mm-hmm. and not, you know. So again, it has you have to to you have to like put it in practice. Yeah, you, to make it experiential. Yeah, they so. say it takes twenty one days to build a habit. Right. Yeah, and that's a that's a lot of days to be practicing solitude <laughs> yeah. every day. I mean, I couldn't do it right now. Right. You know, that's yeah. that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, I think you said something that kind of brought up another question for me, this idea of risk in the outdoors. 
Um, I mean, some of the stuff you're doing can be kind of dangerous, right? Sure. When you're rock climbing, these overhanging walls, when you're mountaineering up 14ers, um, you know, when you're ice climbing, I don't know, we do all sorts of stuff in the program, right? But like, how do you manage some of that risk? And, and how does some of that risk maybe impact students' mental health and how, for better or for worse? Yeah. Well, managing risk, that's, uh, we, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a broad a question. That's a broad question. <laughs> many, many episodes on that. You know, I think the, the biggest thing with managing risk is that, um, one, understanding what we call perceived risk and actual risk. So mm-hmm. perceived risk is what people think the level of risk is, and actual risk is what real risk is. Mm-hmm. Uh, top roping is a perfect example where people who haven't climbed much or at all when mm-hmm. they see somebody in your top roping, they perceive it as this is risky, but mm-hmm. the reality is it's very, very low risk. Very right? minimal. Yeah. So there's like those kinds of concepts, and you know, mm-hmm. part of it is, um, is is learning how to how to lead well and be efficient. Yeah. And there's all kinds of things around managing the risk, but um, well, waivers is a risk mm-hmm. management tool. Anyway, yeah, you do a little uh, bit of gatekeeping, yeah, right? You yeah. know, making sure that there's some basics that some of the students can do, like. Can you kind of just do some basic exercise, right? If not, you know, maybe hiking 15 miles in the wilderness with a 50-pound backpack probably isn't for you, exactly, right? You're right. So, I, you know, I always appreciate that you did some of that gatekeeping. Yeah, definitely. You know? and, I, and so <clears throat> managing or, or like how that risk affects them, whew, man, uh, you know, sometimes it. I think it depends a lot on the student's history mm-hmm. background oh for experience, sure right yeah. for some people <clears throat> they yeah it just it it stretches them way out of their comfort mm-hmm. zone um and what you want you're looking for kind of the sweet spot where you mm-hmm. want them to be challenged and, and kind of pushed mm-hmm. uh, but you want them you want them like panicking yeah right? You'd, right so you have to manage that and some sometimes it's uh it's very individualistic. Um, you know, sometimes it depends on who you're, who's in the group, mm-hmm. right? Um, there could be somebody that is, is part of a group that maybe causes some triggers for them for whatever reason. Sure. And so it, it may be their level of comfort in that group might be a little lower than another one where there's a lot of safety. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you, you know, for maybe those cases where, you know, students are getting triggered when they're feeling very overwhelmed, what what are some of the things that you do to help them calm down or help them get grounded? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is um, is going back to uh, what is what is the trigger for that, mm-hmm. first, first and foremost. Like, what mm-hmm. is it that is, um, you know, the underlying cause and trigger? Because um, sometimes it's it's... It's not even in. It's not even what's actually in front of us, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the whatever the challenging water crossing that we're about to do or whatever. Like, yeah, like there's there may be some connection there, but it's it's more based in based on something that that's usually happened in their past. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes it's first identifying what it is, and then um, you know sometimes it's it's showing them that you know there is there is safety there right yeah so that they know like they can maybe they see somebody else do do that thing whatever that thing is they see somebody else do it first Mm -hmm. and then they realize oh i can do that right like Mm -hmm. it's there's safety there um and i think that's that's helpful when a lot of times they're coming in with um you know some type of emotional trauma or something Mm -hmm. and they they like oh it doesn't feel safe because I'm, what I'm in front of me looks unsafe. Mm-hmm. 
but knowing that when they start seeing others, that's one example. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think developing a big thing that I try to encourage is developing connection and and authenticity in our groups mm. um, because again when, when people are in the wilderness there's just there's a natural uh, tendency and um, a willingness to be more mm-hmm. vulnerable right because there's not this sense of I'm only going to be with you for temp, you know ten days or five right. days or one hour whatever it is and so they they tend to feel more safe to, mm-hmm. to be a bit more open and transparent and that's that's something you're trying to encourage, yeah. um, but you have to, it has to be developed. You can't, you have to work on that. It's mm-hmm. not, too, I mean, it, you can't outdoor, force it. You can't force it, but right. the outdoors makes it easier mm-hmm. to, to get there. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, that definitely makes sense. I think that's why, you know, things like wilderness therapy is such an untapped potential um, because, you know, in therapy, that it's kind of the same idea, right? It takes time to build that therapeutic relationship. You can't force them. Right. Um, you can't force the relationship and you can't just expect them like, okay, we'll just unload all your trauma on me, right? <laughs> yeah. It's our second session, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, it takes time to build that. And, and so I think that is what's really also unique about the outdoors is, um, you do have that time constraint. Yeah. But there is something about that space where it just, it comes a little bit easier, mm-hmm. um, than maybe, sitting in an office across from each other so yeah speaking of wilderness therapy that that and like you said being an untapped Mm, resource uh Mm -hmm. it's something i tell my students a lot is that i think there's that's one avenue of the industry the Mm -hmm. outdoor industry that is um it's it's been growing for the last probably 10 15 20 years but i think it still has a lot of opportunity a lot of potential yeah yeah i mean it's something that i was definitely considering when i first came into this and was doing the outdoor program and it's not something i've ruled out right um because they've they have done a lot of development recently i think the kind of technical term at least in certain areas is they're calling it now outdoor behavioral health care um obh which i thought was really interesting so they're starting to like get some more regulations down but um it's gonna gonna take a little bit of time but um yeah i think there's definitely a lot of um, a lot of potential there because I think it's just such a unique mixing of the two that can create a lot of really quick growth mm-hmm. in a short amount of time. So definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? You know, something else I, I appreciate about the outdoor space and kind of what your program fostered a little bit was um, kind of the sense of support and, camaraderie i guess um i mean it was dependent on the group it definitely didn't happen with every group uh but like for example i think of when we were in the grand canyon i remember um i won't name her but there was one student who had some medical things going on you remember that um maybe yeah there's, there's been a few so <laughs> there's been a few right um uh, and basically she was she was kind of incapacitated just because of natural things that um, she wasn't really able to carry her backpack. And so I remember we would like switch off, like helping carry loads and carrying gear. And, you know, I thought that was really unique. Like that's not something that is maybe typical in just our day to day. Like we don't just go out of our way to help people, you know? Um, and so I think that was something also where some of these people I'd met for the first time and yet we're supporting each other. We're, um, we're doing what we can to, to, take our load take take the load of somebody else who 
um, maybe struggling with it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if I worded that right. No, but. yeah, for sure. And I think some of that happens, again, kind of organically, mm-hmm. right? Because you're in the wilderness with each other, with this group, and, you know, you're, you're kind of agreeing, like, we can't, we can't do this without everybody being engaged and present. And, you know, if somebody's, somebody's not able to, for whatever reason, they're, you know, health mm-hmm. issue or something like that, well, you, you have to help them out. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's like, what choice do you have? You just leave them. Like that's not an option. Right. <laughs> well, sometimes, well, you, <laughs> no, but yeah, you, you, yeah, you're going to have to. And which, you know, in, in everyday life, um, you know, of a, a, a peer she calls it your real life when you're in real mm, life yeah you know you you could like it's you know, you're driving along you see somebody broken down on the side of the road mm-hmm. you have a choice right mm-hmm. you have a choice i can i can stop and offer to help or i can just drive by and be like mm-hmm. you know whatever they got it whatever well in the wilderness again you, with your group you don't have that option you know mm-hmm. and so it forces you but I, what is interesting is that the, and I've seen this a lot where some students who perhaps, uh, I'm saying students, but, you know, without rebound, whether participants, whatever, mm-hmm. um, where they, they probably had more, more of a, yeah, just for lack of a better way to say it, just have a more selfish personality, right? Mm-hmm. And so in, in real life, they probably would just, like, Keep ignore driving. it, just blow on, yeah. blow on by and be like, nah, you don't need help. And so, but and often it's, mm-hmm. I've seen where those people are the ones who step up. And, you know, mm-hmm. in the wilderness and they're like they take things on that they probably wouldn't every day mm-hmm. and i think that that points to the fact that, like our human nature and our our desire to um to really just to love others and to support yeah. others right mm-hmm. you know and um that's one way that i, th- I think i've seen it happen a lot in the yeah. wilderness. i think that's yeah. pretty cool um do we want to talk about Aconcagua at all? <laughs> well, do you want to talk about Aconcagua? I don't know. I, you know, it, it's just interesting to me because it's been a while now, right? It's been like, what, three years? Four years? I think four. Not four years, I has it? Four. Because was, was it, it 2017 into 2018? Yeah, I think so. Holy moly. Jeez. Yeah. Time is going by quick. So. I'm old now, dude. Oh, well, just wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, wow. Four years ago. So Derek and I and a group of others, there was 12 of us. Oh, I don't think it was that many. Nine, nine of us, something like that. No, that was a little more. I don't know. 11. Give or take. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, we planned and led and went on a trip to fricking Argentina and Mendoza and tried to hike the tallest, um, tallest mountain there Aconcagua mm-hmm. um and this wasn't the first trip you had because you had done Kili before that right yeah so and and that's a oh man I wish we had more time to talk about some of the mission trips you guys do because I think that's really unique um but this was a class this wasn't a mission trip through CCU and so this was something um that was a little bit more educational base I guess and so we went it was like a supposed to be like a three-week trip or for some it was for some it wasn't (laughs) (laughs) we keep laughing about it It, so basically for me what happened was i had gotten something called high altitude pulmonary edema um which when you're when you're hiking big mountains like that there's basically two things you don't want and it's hape and it's what's the other one is called high altitude cerebral edema Uh, naturally i i had to be one of the lucky ones and (laughs) 
And can you explain kind of what that is a little bit better? You probably know better than me. Yeah, it's, it's so it, it just basically means you pulmonary edema means you have fluid in your lungs, mm-hmm. right? And so you, you're you know in, in, unable to breathe normally, um, and you're developing fluid in your lungs. So yeah. you'll eventually die if you don't deal with it. And yeah, yeah. I wanted you to explain it just so I didn't sound too dramatic, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, I almost died. But it was it was kind of a scary experience. I mean, but it was it was really interesting because I remember we would. Um, we debriefed it a little bit after the trip once you guys got back and settled. And, um, I remember like just my initial reactions, I was just pissed. Like I'd spent so much time training, so much money on gear and just fundraising for the trip and just to have something like this happen and, and things like altitude illness, there's, there's mitigating factors we can do. Right. But ultimately, and correct me if I'm wrong, but ultimately it can just happen. Right. Um, without really there being any specific reason, Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just super angry. Like I was really angry with myself and I, I kind of internalized a lot of that. And, um, I just had so much anxiety from the, that resulted from that trip. Um, and that experience of, you know, feeling like I just couldn't do it. And, and so I'm just curious, like what, cause I don't know if we re- we've really gotten the chance to talk about, it, but what was it like for you? um leading that and like seeing me and i know it the f- funny i don't know if it's funny but the other thing was it wasn't just me um because there was justin who also had to get flown down on the helicopter and didn't kyle have to stay back no well kyle uh he ended up um he, he got he got there was a cold going around right and so oh he, really yeah he got the he got the seventeen thousand and he oh uh, and had to and come back had to come back down to base camp so yeah. he didn't he didn't, he just waited at base camp oh, okay so he didn't yeah. he didn't get hit I think Justin and I were the only ones who got hit but yeah. um but some of the others got sick or just for whatever reason yeah um what was it like during that I mean that's a I don't know. I think of like when, you know, comparatively, I think of like as a counselor, it's hard to see like my clients struggle. Right. Yeah. What is that? I guess ultimately what is that experience like for you as a leader and like, how do you kind of help foster that for growth and, and things like that? Well, yeah. So there was, um, there was the initial of just dealing with the logistics and like, mm-hmm. okay, well, how, how are we going to deal with this and yeah. how are we going to help <laughs> you and Justin? And, oh, um, you know, and I was fortunate that we, we were able to, um, use our satellite communicator and communicate with parents and family. And, uh, I was and super grateful for that too. Yeah, and back yeah. in, in Colorado. But so there was that, that would, and that was just like, I just have a tendency to be, um, you know, just, I, just from all my training experience and mm-hmm. part of my personality, I tend to be like, all right, let's deal with the facts. Right. And what I didn't do on the mountain initially, and it didn't come until later was deal with the emotional part mm-hmm. later. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I was so emotive. Like I wasn't the guide on this trip, yeah, but I right. was kind of the guide on the trip. Right? Naturally, <laughs> so so there was that most that m- mindset of like, okay, t- do deal with the mm-hmm. stuff like that. But then I had you know the seven, eight, nine, whatever rest of the right. crew that we were you know still still trying to do still, the trip still and do the trip, and it was time limited, right? I mean, the weather was kind of fluctuating, yeah, and had, there's only certain days you can go up and exactly. actually summit. So right, right. So we had um, you know kind of those things, but I think what was hard was then um you know realizing that kind of like you said like you were part of the team you know mm-hmm. justin you guys we were you were part of the team and like the goal is to get everybody to the summit mm-hmm. right like we want to do that as a team and the fact that you know two of our members couldn't be there like that that left a gap like a, mm-hmm. a hole in in our team and um so i think you know after the fact like after kind of getting back and kind of processing through th- things like realized, you know, man, I was, 
that was a um, that was a loss, you know, mm-hmm. and like like any other loss, and there's probably you know for sure varying degrees of loss, but like loss is still a loss, you mm-hmm. know, and that was a loss that we probably didn't do a good job of dealing with as a group. So yeah, well, and I mean, well, so then in that case, how do you like learn from that? Because you've done other big mountain trips since then. You still continue. You guys still do Kili trips. Yes. Um, or I know you did a couple at least since then, and uh, there was the Denali trip. And I think you guys did you end up going to um, Nepal? No. Yeah, oh, okay. Go, but yeah, yeah. Oh, you're planning some trips, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that the take home is that, um, yeah. Before we we started recording, I mentioned the the kind of the shift I've seen in mm. in the student population here at sure, CCU, right. and, and a little bit more kind of it seems like all not. To some degree, a lot more kind of like mental health instability, right? Um, and and just I think the take home is is like man, there's there's a lot to deal with outside of just the you know hiking a mountain and the mm-hmm. logistics and things like that. Like there's a, a lot of emotional things that need to be addressed. Yeah. And one of the reasons we added our our mental health class for outdoor leaders was that that's a whole area yeah. to to be aware of. And so um, yeah, I think the take home is is that you you can't ignore yeah, that right definitely. that's that's a huge part um we just mm-hmm. had a trip last week on a it was a navigation class learning how to navigate and we had a student that just was kind of struggling and mm-hmm. um you know wrestling with anxiety and yeah. just other things and, and there was some other mitigating factors around that and um you know after the trip getting back and just checking in like hey how, how are you doing and um mm-hmm. you just can't ignore those things anymore yeah, not that you did. Before, I you know tried not to ignore them, but you just have to be more right. Them, well, and, and and there is just a cultural thing of like the outdoor industry hasn't always been you know super emotional. And let's talk <laughs> right. about your feel. Like it's just like hey, we're just getting out, we're climbing, and we're just doing <laughs> we're just doing what we came here to do. And and so it is a little bit of that cultural shift of like okay, well now we are looking at it a little bit more holistically and um and it is interesting, right? I think you, you know I. I did a trauma training recently and we are the safest generation of history. Mm. Right. Um, and yet we are also the generation that has the most severe mental health struggles. Right. right? And so like, where is that correlation coming <laughs> right. from? Right. Where does that line up? And it's just super interesting on one hand. And it's like, okay, well now that we know that, how do we, how do we deal with that? Right. And it's, it's ongoing. But yeah. Yeah, it does make me make me happy as a a former outdoor person and not outdoor. I'm always an outdoor person, (laughs) but a former outdoor leader, I guess. And um, current counselor, it makes me happy that you guys have, you know, had that mental health class and um, you guys are doing the work. And I think that's that's super cool. So thanks. Yeah. Well, hey, I know you got to go. So I can wrap up and. Really good to see you and good to have you on the show. So I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Any, any last words? I always like to kind of leave it open. Any last tidbit, you know, words of wisdom you want to share? I think if I could say anything to anybody who would be listening is, is um, kind of like we said earlier in the, in the discussion was be, um, be diligent about mm-hmm. being still. Like mm. it, it's like any other discipline you have like you force yourself to work out you force yourself to eat well yeah um you you force yourself to read your bible or whatever your things that you the kind of disciplines you have in life you Mm -hmm. have to make that a discipline and um add it to your schedule like put in your schedule and have some quiet time and just be still and be present with your thoughts 
it's scary and it's hard mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with you. Like, it is, you know, and don't do it alone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do it in That's community. True. We're not meant to do it alone. So yeah, yep. Mm. Sure. well said. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Derek. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thank you.